This is One Heat Minute. Drop of a hat, these guys will rock and roll. What's your name? Wayne Grove. Look like gangbangers working the local 7-Eleven to you. Robbery homicides take me. Give me all you got! Listen, Give me all you got! I do what I do best. I take scores. You do what you do best. Trying to stop guys like me. A podcast dedicated to all 170 minutes of Michael Mann's LA crime opus Heat, one minute at a time. Oops. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to One Heat Minute. I am your host, Blake Howard. This is an in depth, deep dive, as the intro says, into Michael Mann's crime saga, Heat from 1995. My favourite film of all time, one of the greatest crime films I think of all time, and one of the greatest films of all time. I'm going to go out on a limb and say that, and I'm hoping that on this journey you come along and see that with us. I am joined by Guardian Australia's uh, Guardian Australia's film guru, Luke Buckmaster, also writes for the Daily Review and a bunch of other stuff, and one of my dear friends, Luke Buckmaster, welcome back. Thank you for having me, Blake. Good to be here. <laughs> we are now, we've done three consecutive minutes together you joined me with garth franklin yes i did the great garth franklin the great garth franklin and yeah. now we are at the 10th minute we are poised on one of the coolest and i would say one of the most influential high scenes in in action cinema i'm on a knife edge i'm practically <laughs> leaning out of an open door <laughs> as it's tearing down a freeway <laughs> all right guys well we are going to listen to the 10th minute of michael Mann's heat and then we're going to come back and we're going to dissect it with you because there's going to be a lot of action here we go. Here we go. That's a good minute. That is a good minute. He gives good minutes. I, I, I vaguely remember you saying last episode that that was your favorite minute. That up to, up ninth, to that point. That was the ninth one. Yeah. Is this your favorite one? The tenth one? The tenth minute, it's good. It's very good. It's exciting. It's thrilling because it's something where it's spaces are moving on the board. I think you get a sense that spaces are moving on the board and they're about to converge. And in this minute, there is an absolute... It's just a thrill ride of you finally start to see in the geography of the landscape that we're seeing that these things are actually converging into one spot, which mm. is what's exciting. And um, and you finally see that what we're seeing here is uh, an armoured truck. And so if you've got any familiarity with an armoured truck, you're like, oh, okay, cool, there's an armoured truck scene here. What is going to happen? Oh, dear God, they're going to ram this big, beautiful bad boy into it. And Danny Trejo even says the great line, here we go. And here we go. Here we yeah. go. He's... Yeah. He's talking, he's talking us into it. Everyone's ready. Get ready. I am. And we get, 
he started like in the third the third second of this scene you see De Niro apply a hockey mask you see Kilmer and what's great here if you go to the fifth second of this tenth minute nine mm. minutes five seconds mm. you see that Sizemore has the same mask as Kilmer mm. and De Niro but Kevin Gage's Wayne Grow has a different mask yeah, yeah so he's slightly outside of the dynamic there yeah also Val Kilmer has the black mask yes so that's slightly different as well yes but the design with, with Wayne Gross one is what makes it creepily different. It's, it's funny, when you put on, um, you know, some sort of execute, some kind of heist-esque scene, you have to choose the headwear. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, you put on no a, a mask. No, 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 none of that. Uh, you put on a mask like this and a hockey mask and it's going to evoke memories, I guess, in the cinematic universe of Friday the 13th. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I think that's the obvious one. Um, what else have you got? You can Mighty Ducks. The mi- <laughs> <laughs> You're okay, going to go They in. were good, honest people just trying their best. That's yeah, um, uh, you, but ex-presidents, you do... ex-presidents in the Point Break series, they were the, uh, the yeah, presidential the ex- masks. Yeah, the ex-presidents. Or there's the, the funny clown ones in Dark Knight. Yes. And actually, I think... Um, Isn't Bill Murray's quick change? They're clowns, aren't they? They well? are clowns. Yeah. That's absolutely what they are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think, you know, just on that... The, the funny clown, the dark night thing. I actually group those films um, as in um, uh, dark night and, and heated in a similar way. Absolutely. You know? it's, these are about ultimately at their core. Uh, they're about two men on a collision course. Yes. And they, they have to combine much of the drama and friction revolves around them. Um, not just butting heads, but shattering each other's lives in some in some way or another. And the threat of them coming together is almost as thrilling as them actually the actually moment. Absolutely, and and they and the film kind of both films kind of tease off that and play off that, and both films have great performances at their heart too. Yes. Anyway, that's just my side thought there. I'm digressing. I love no, I love it. I think, and uh, I I think on some of the episodes you'd heard, like you are not going to stop hearing about the uh, the comparisons between Heat and, and, and The Dark Knight because Chris Nolan is clearly a Michael Mann fan, is a fan of him, has been a self-professed fan of him um, uh, for many years. And uh, like, uh, I don't think it's a surprise that not only as a Batman aficionado that I've been since since I was a kid, but then seeing The Dark Knight and almost essentially getting Heat but dressed up instead of Neil McCauley and Vincent Hanna, I had Batman and the Joker. You can understand why that movie is somewhat... I feel like it was made for my very existence. <laughs> so it's like, it's like, I love this movie so much, but the dark Knight absolutely is, I think paying homage to heat in a big, bad way. Um, so we get here. I love this. The differences in the mask and I, I you know, they're all creepy. Hockey masks are mm. outside of the hockey rink are creepy as hell. They're and, very creepy. And, and, in the shadows here in this green truck at nine minutes and five seconds, Kevin Gage's mask is like, I, I wonder if they, if the production designers were looking at this and they're like, I'm going to make the c- c- creepiest hockey, hockey mask that I can possibly get or find one because I want him to look even more menacing and more creepy. And at least in the other masks, they seem to have like eyes. Mm. Whereas his one, it's like sunken. He's this sunken skeletal yeah, weird thing. Yeah, those eyes seem to just sort of going to some weird inner recesses almost like they never existed in the first place <laughs> yeah 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 they're, they're both very creepy though. very very creepy so we we we, we stand there and the ro- I love- quite clean though quite clean masks very clean mm. shiny ads yeah they've polished them <laughs> and and here we go with Danny Trejo's here we go the you know it's such a great characteristic performance here he's come through and the ambulance kicks off 
the truck kicks off and it's roaring. The sound. Heat is a film that will sometimes deceptively blow your damn speakers out. You'll have it up because the dialogue scenes are quiet and, and sort of lovely. And then you get the truck scenes, you get the, the you get the uh, the central sort of centerpiece shootout of the movie and it'll just blow your speakers wide open. What's really interesting here at 9 minutes and 35 seconds is Kevin Gage plays Wayne Grove. His name is Kevin Gage. And we come up and the Gage Armored oh, yeah, Express. I see where you're going. This. I can't, the Gage I, Armored Express. And I just it's right on the side of the right, car. Yeah. Right on the side. I just wonder if that was a cheeky little, oh, Kevin Gage, you know, this is this is you. This is You are going to be the catalyst for this film as much as this is about a heist. This... That's a good question to ask somebody. It'd be an unusual coincidence, put it that way, if it wasn't. <laughs> this is also um, a curious kind of mode in that Usually a collision of this magnitude happens at the end of a car chase mm-hmm. or a vehicle chase. That's that's usually what it is. But this is not a car chase. This is an ambush. It's a heist. Yes. Uh, which, yeah, which means that the everything before it has been a kind of foreplay. Yes. Which is quite interesting because then you cut kind of right to the chase without yeah. there actually being a chase in the first place. No, it's very calm. And also for an armoured car... I guess the only time an armored car is going to stop very patiently and 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 calmly and as you said just sort of just you know very slowly and patiently pull to a stop is an ambulance. An ambulance is turning. The threat of someone yeah. that is that is injured or something like that the ambulance is turning around or getting ready to stop. And they're very calm. The ambulance stops and they're like patiently sort of setting up and they're calm. Like he, he's just sort of, if you look at this actor's face, nine minutes, 42 seconds, he's calm. He's a Hispanic guy. He's sitting there. He's kind of looking over at the ambulance. Oh God, something's happened. I'm just calm. You know, this is normal. This is BAU. I've seen ambulances driving around LA before. And it's not until a couple more seconds down the track that he's like, uh... There are guys in masks in that car. Um. Yeah, and that's the interesting expression. It's not panic. It's something, it's like, uh, what's what's going on here? I think a lot of other directors would have directed this actor to uh, panic and to yes. show a, a, a face expression of extreme emotion, as in, holy shit, this thing is heading right to, it's barreling right towards us. Yes. And that, again, is a credit to Michael Mann because... He's already painstakingly established the fact that it's coming towards him. He doesn't have to remind us to it. So yeah. the actor's face is really uh, a blank canvas onto which the rest of the scene's meaning can be projected. And that goes all the way back to the early experiments of cinema, the Kuleshov effect. Yeah. You know, you can you can show an actor with a completely blank, nonchalant face expression and then show a series of images, be it, you know, food or a funeral or something like that, solicit various different emotions and feelings without actually having the actor to act in the first place. And while this is only a small example of that, it does speak in some way about the, the restraint and the and the careful kind of fluidity of the performances. Absolutely, and because I, I think one of the even even from a very practical perspective and meticulous is he does a quick shot as a reference point to show you that there are guys in the back of the truck as well so do you, like there's this like flash of a suspense shot and everything so far for this actor and character who's driving this armored truck makes sense what is a car that is very normal for me to stop in in this extremely you know extremely populated area it's an ambulance i'm going to stop very regularly for an ambulance i'm not going to consider it to be a threat it's normal for me to stop. And then there's like, I love the look as he looks over, he takes a glance and then you actually see it from the perspective of looking outside in the window. It's about nine minutes, 49 seconds. And he looks over at this 
hurtling beast of a machine coming towards him. And he's looking at it and he's like, this, it's like for a second it doesn't make sense, but then the, the, the impending threat doesn't actually register. That's so yeah, real to me. It doesn't. Yeah, exactly. And that's life. I that's mean, life. Threats don't register, um, you know, unless they're retrospective. I mean, yes. we all understand the dangers of things in hindsight, yeah. but we don't necessarily grasp them in the moment. And that's where I think a degree of underacting is uh, is appropriate. And, yes. And you can see in in elements of this film, it's overacting is not not the right word, but there is a more spectacular element. So he's balancing in all these ways. So in these extreme moments yes. where, where actually a lot is happening, the actor here at, at 9.49 is not actually doing much acting at all. No. He's just sort of turning his face and firing his brow a little bit. Yes. Whereas in other scenes, <laughs> in which, you know, you'll talk about in other minutes with other guests, El Pacino goes off like a firecracker. <laughs> you know, it's just a completely sort of yeah. prosaic moment, ordinary situation, and someone's put a, a bloody sheep prodder on him or something. You know, <laughs> completely, um, completely ballistic. But but it's all it's very character based and it's very situation based. So we get these final ten seconds. The raw. There's something. There's something raw. Not R L A R. I mean, there's something raw about this second, this split second of footage. It's almost like they're mounted a camera. You can also see all like the film stock. It feels like nine minutes between, like nine minutes forty five seconds and nine minutes fifty seconds. You see that the 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 beautiful Dante Spinotti footage that's been shot on thirty five mil for this film. Um, for a split second takes a gap and it's probably a video that's mounted on the side of this thing that's about to get rammed by this gargantuan beast of a truck mm. 9 minutes 50 seconds and then crash yeah the yeah. great they sacrificed a camera there sacrificed a camera I'm yeah. thinking Maybe. and you you, yeah. you hold your breath much like the Dark Knight which you talked about earlier you hold your breath as this thing hits this armor truck, tips it on its side, and mm. at 10 seconds, we're watching it sliding. It hasn't even stopped sliding at the moment, tipped on its side, and it's it's completely defenseless. And, and ripe for the picking. Ripe for the picking. Ripe for the picking. What a great scene. Isn't, scene. isn't that just something as simple as a truck barreling towards another truck? That's a George, that's a George Miller-esque, you as the expert. Oh, also, how dare I? Guardian Australia film critic Luke Buckner sitting in front, in front of me. Also, author of a sensational book called Miller and Max, which is sort of the untold history of the Mad Max franchise, which um, I was fortunate enough to launch um, this year at the Sydney Film Festival, which is an absolute great read. You have to buy it. If you're a Mad Max fan, you need to own this book. I've bought a copy for my brother-in-law, who's a Mad Max fan, and he's thoroughly enjoyed it, um, and I love it to pieces. But you are a Mad Max. You are a car aficionado. This movie's got some great car stuff. It does. It does indeed. That big prime movie there, the green one, did did remind me of the of the tanker at, at uh, yes uh at, in, the, in the road warrior yes um and and the poor guy that i spoke to <laughs> <laughs> you know where the story is going dennis williams who actually had to really crash the thing i mean that there are various different ways to simulate a crash you can or to pull it off in in various different ways you can use all sorts of ropes and pulleys and things like that but he did it actually genuinely like tip the bastard yeah yeah make the bastard roll you know these are these are really dangerous things to crash he couldn't eat for 24 hours beforehand as he was 
uh, on the top of the of the hill on the Monday Monday Plains in in Australia, going down it near near the town of Broken Hill, he saw a couple of uh, ambulance. <laughs> <laughs> Amb- he well, saw an ambulance in front of a truck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, yeah, 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 yeah. Because they they knew that he was going to crash it, um, and, and so, saw the ambos on on the bonnet, and he thought these are a couple of vultures waiting for a feed. Uh, but yeah, but. Um, that reminded me a little bit of, of Mad Max stuff, just this moment of, of car crashes. And uh, Michael Mann has a sense of restraint too. Y- yes, this is a, a very finely executed heist scene. But, you know, given how long this movie is, it's two hours and 50 minutes. It's a real epic running time. Um, how long has the heist gone for? I mean, uh, it's not over yet. I know we've finished our minute. Uh, but it's only been a couple of minutes since it started. It's yeah. actually quite an efficient. I think he's really kind of signalling this as uh, an important scene, but not that important where you slow down the intro- introductory moments. Yes. So with ten, you know, ten minutes into the film, it's it's pretty fast. Yes. Even though the execution is very, very well, very patient. Quite, quite fast as far as we've seen the backstory to the heist. We've seen all the pre work. We've seen it all. We haven't in seen only, all the pre-work. We've seen a chunk of minutes. Yeah, yeah. A chunk of the pre- chunk. significant yeah. chunk of the pre-work. We've seen it. We've also been established to other characters who are going to be extremely significant in the post-heist fallout. But we've seen all the players. We've seen everyone so far. We're here. We're up to, you know, the. We've now done the tenth minute. We're up to the eleventh minute of this hundred and seventy-minute epic, and um, extremely efficient. And and mm. and I think it's ca- characteristic of the characters he's portraying for it to be so efficient. And so calculating. Mm. Yeah. It's almost... Uh, he's, he's a businessman. He's uh, he's obsessed with his job and with his vision, like De Niro and Pacino are. And none of them are going to back down. <laughs> oh, I can't wait for a few more minutes of this. Luke Buckmaster, thank you so much for joining me for a couple of episodes on the trot of One Eight Minute. Oh, it's been terrific. Thank you for having me, Blake. I very much appreciate it. Well, guys, thank you. That is the 10th minute of Michael Mann's Crime Epic Heat. You'll have to wait and see who's going to be back next. I may have a surprise, a surprise for you all to see who's next. And uh, I can't wait to share the next few minutes. And we'll be back to dissect Michael Mann, dissect the upcoming minutes. But even in the opening 10 minutes, there is such a rich tapestry of characters and such a rich tableau of a scene, of of a city, um, and, and so much rewarding stuff to come. 160 minutes, 160 episodes to go. I hope you guys come along for the journey. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you so much to Mr. Luke Buckmaster for being my guest over a multiple episode run there. And thank you so much, guys, for listening and subscribing and being part of this journey so far. We have a stack of amazing guests coming up. Some incredible people love this film, just like I hope you guys love this film. Thank you so much to Paul Davies, who does our music. Thank you to Garth Franklin for our web design. Thank you again to Luke Buckmaster. He is at Luke Buckmaster on the Twitters. Um, And I am Blake Howard, at Blake is Batman on the Twitter. Twitter. Continue to listen, continue to subscribe because one more heat episode is coming around the corner.